Welcome into the EMAW Online Podcast. Mason Foth, Gabe Schwartz with you here from EMAW Online. First time that you are hearing and seeing us since uh, the, the loss in the Elite Eight to Florida Atlantic. Uh, it was tra- tragic. And I've, you know, I, I think I've gotten to the point where I'm finally kind of over it now. Um, I thought that Royals baseball was going to help that. It's really not. It's probably made my mood worse. Um, and which is tough because I had pretty low expectations for him. But, you know, when you got low expectations for something, the only thing that can, can make you feel worse is if those low expectations somehow find a way to get beaten out by even worse uh, performances. Uh, and that's kind of where uh, the Royals season sits right now. So uh, it's just uh, time to focus on the positive. And the good news is the last, last off season and now this one, so the last two off seasons, K-State basketball – has a lot of fun things to look forward to in its offseason with the transfer portal and the way that it works. K-State, as we are recording this, Thursday, April 6th, 3.07 p.m., K-State has three open scholarships to play with. Um, the third one opened up when Ish Masood entered the transfer portal, and that is not like a closed door on Ish Masood, as we found out earlier this week from Jerome Tang. He, was, uh, he made it clear, like, hey, Look, Ish, he expects this. This is how we see it. But if he can't find the right fit or that need, like the door will be open. He just has to understand that when he comes back to that door, he can walk through it if it's open. But if it is closed, it's closed. And he's going to have to, you know, worry about himself and, and kind of deal with those consequences, which I thought, um, I mean, of course, it got love on social media from everybody because. I'm not sure Jerome Tang can do any wrong right now, certainly in the K-State community and in like the national basketball community. Um, so I, like it, it was, it was big for that. It was good insight there. And it makes sense. Like Ishma suit is a solid enough player that has a role that if he wanted to come back next year, I don't think you're in the position to tell him no, at least right now. But with those three scholarships, there are a lot of talented guys out there and that list keeps growing of talented guys that K-State has a need and interest in. Um, so things could kind of close up pretty quick on Ish Masood. So uh, this is going to be all about the transfer portal because there's really nothing else that needs to be talked about. Uh, look, we could talk about who's going to be the, the 17th string quarterback in spring football practice right now. Uh, we, know, we know that order. We know that it's Will Howard and then Jake Rubley and then Adrian Laura and then Avery Johnson and then Parker Kavanaugh. Maybe there's movement, but that movement's not going to happen until August. So no need to worry about that. Uh, guys that were banged up are getting healthier in football. DJ Giddens was back at practice. Brendan Mott was practicing in some capacity. Um, guys that are out, there's not like any reason to be overly concerned. So we've covered all the bases there. Spring football, it can be interesting. It can be fascinating. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't really care that much about it. I'm just telling you that. I know that it's like an important part of this job. But thank God K-State doesn't have a spring game because I would quit on the spot if I had to go cover a spring game. That it, that just, <laughs> blah. Who cares about that? Like that, I, I'm dead serious about that. I would, I, would look, I would look everybody in the eye and be like, you seriously want me to go cover a spring game? Who cares? I get it. No offense to people that like spring games. I, I get maybe going up there. You haven't been to the bill in like six months and you just want to go and drink a couple beers watch some guys hit each other. That's fine. Camaraderie, be back in Manhattan. But I, I have no interest in that. Exhibition games do not tickle my fancy. 
I am not interested in that. So we're going to talk about the real game, the transfer portal, the most exciting part of basketball season. Um, K-State has a lot of options out there that they can be legitimate players with. This is not Bruce Weber uh, after they lose in the Big 12 tournament to West Virginia, naming off all of the like high-level guys that we almost had him, didn't get him. We could have had him, didn't get him. It's like there's a difference between like having a conversation with a guy and actually having the chance to land him. This staff actually has the chance to land these dudes in the portal. And these are like dudes in the portal that everybody around the country wants, uh, including Max Acemus, who's probably number one on most people's lists as he should be dynamic guard that can score like crazy. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get to a lot of the names that there are to know out there, how we kind of see it playing out and, and what the actual needs of K-State are. Uh, but what are your initial thoughts when we talk K-State and transfer portal uh, this offseason, Gabe? Um, well, I would say just to go back to the Ish Masood discussion that uh, to say Jerome Tang couldn't really do anything wrong, like, yeah, that's true. I would say he's getting extra credit in this case, largely because he so clearly put it to fans exactly what Ish wants. He said Ish Ish came to him. It, it wasn't just a, hey, Ish wants something. We think differently. That's why he's in the portal right now. It was, hey, we had this conversation. Ish said he wants 25 to 30 minutes a game and to start. Jerome said, I just straight up don't believe that that is in the works for K-State. And he's smart to think that. Like, I don't yep. think that that lot. I think that an optimized-ish Masood is probably playing the role he did this year, maybe at, at max four to five minutes more than what he did. And this season he played, let me pull up the exact minutes per game, 15.3 minutes per game. So mm -hmm. 18 to 20 feels like the max if, if you want K-State to play at the level that people wanted them to play at and were expecting them to play at in March once this thing got cooking. So it makes sense to me why he's in the portal. Um, now, if he you can, you can debate the merits, and I don't think we need to debate the merits of whether he will get that from another power conference school or whether he should get that or whether he should want to do that. Um, but I will say because K-State was so good this year and because we've already seen the types of dudes that they are in the conversation for, I will say I'm not convinced that the door will be open if Ish Masood doesn't get what he wants. So uh, it all sounds fine and dandy. It might not sound nearly as fine and dandy for him if, if – uh, they are as serious of players for the Acemas, the LJ Cryer, the specifically at a position like Ish plays, like a Tremont Mark, mm -hmm. like those types of dudes are no offense to Ish, just like a different class of player. Like Tremont Mark was a starter, a key contributor, uh, an all league type guy for the number one team in the country for most of this season. Like that's a guy that is plug and play starter in this, in this system. And then you're, you've already got a bunch of talented freshmen who will probably place a de decent bench roles next year is my expectation. Um, 
So that's my thoughts on the ish thing. And I would just say, if you're a K-State fan, you have to feel absurdly optimistic about just the names that you're seeing yourself attached to and the frequency with which uh, conversations surrounding those names have legitimacy to them and just an expectation of like, hey, this actually could happen. And hey, this logically, it makes sense for an LJ Cryer to want to play for K-State to want to play for Jerome Tang, to want to be not necessarily Marquise Noel because he's not gonna he's not gonna do that. They're not the same player at all. Mm-hmm. But to play that kind of role and take on that kind of responsibility, um, that's that's what I'm thinking about so far. And it it it's definitely exciting to see the names that they're attached to. Like even just at a lower level, and I know it's not a guy that excites you nearly as much as it excites me, but like. <laughs> Being a player, being one of the perceived final two for Tamar Bates is a good thing. Like he is, eh, you're you're shrugging your shoulder. I just, I don't know. Like I, I mean, like yes, that is something that is significant, I guess. Um, but like Tamar Tamar Bates is a name that, like, it's a fine get for K State if it happens. But like in the last two years, he's you know he's played like. 17 minutes a game in Indiana. He played 20 this year and he averaged six points a game. Now I know that they had other guys there and everything and whatever else, but like that, that's probably something where he could do something at K state, but I don't know that like I'm, I'm fully into that. I, but that's, again, that comes down to, there are just so many other awesome names out there that K state is connected to and has interest in, and that there seems to be mutual interest to where, um, like if you get Tamar Bates and that is like a oh we're, we're just getting him like that's a really good consolation prize as opposed to what some of the transfer options have been in past years uh, in regards to like what your consolation is in the transfer portal. So I'm optimistic about him specifically under the guise that he is like the third guy that they're adding. If that's the case that is a really good get. If if Tamar Bates is the number one guy that they bring in, he's the most talented guy that they bring in, my tone would shift. <laughs> yeah, no, that I mean that's that's kind of where it is. Like I, I I don't imagine if they did get him that he would be that he would be like the number, you know, one guy. I think that there would be other options out there that they would get that they could still bring in. Um but I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna just go out and be like, "This is a terrible get." If they got Tamar Bates, and nobody should be like overly disappointed. I know that that's kind of what my reaction comes off as when people bring him up. Um, but also, right now, like, I don't know how high K State's interest is in in Tamar Bates. Like, I think that's one of those that they're they're a local team to him. Like, he grew up in Kansas City, mm-hmm. um, and. K-State, and this is what people are going to have to realize now, there are going to be guys out there that say that they've heard from K-State. They're going to throw K-State in their final 78 or whatever guys are doing these days in the portal. And if you look at a guy and you say, oh, I don't really like that guy. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Take it with a grain of salt in some instances because K-State has gotten themselves with a level of performance this year and the staff they have that there are going to be a lot of dudes out there that have K-State on their list that K-State doesn't have on their list. And that's just part of the game. Like all these other schools have dealt with it. It's what just goes on. Uh, K-State is now into the mix of those schools where 
like you'll see some random guy that says like, yeah, you know, Kansas, uh, UCLA, whatever. And you go, are you really talking to Kansas and UCLA? Like out of your final five, I think it's more realistic that you're going to end up at UCF or South Carolina than the Kansas and UCLA that you've thrown into there. Um, K-State's just going to be one of those teams that mix now. That's not to say though, that like the Tamar Bates stuff is, you know, just one-sided. Like I think there is probably some interest by K-State and they have to, reach out and do their due diligence but right now we know that there are bigger fish to fry the biggest of which is probably max Asmus of oral roberts who is in the portal um this was one of those that was in- anticipated that he would enter especially after paul mills his head coach took the job at wichita state leaving oral roberts he's in it now one year to play as a grad transfer he's averaged over 20 points a game in his career he's as dynamic as they come has taken Oral Roberts to a sweet 16 with Kevin O'Banner, who just hightailed it out of there after that appearance, but Ace Miss stayed. So he's a guy that he doesn't assist it like Marquise Noel does, but that's because he's like a much more pure scorer than what Noel was, uh, which is saying something because Noel got to the point where he could kind of just get a bucket whenever he wanted the bucket. So uh, that's that's the number one guy, I think, on most lists, and I think that's where K-State is probably working. And – it seems like it's going to be a lot of these teams in the Midwest um, in like Northern Texas that have the interest in trying to get him where it's K-State, KU, Arkansas, um, Baylor, Houston, and then you know maybe you can throw some other ones in there that'll, that'll be interested. And he's going to get outreach from all over the country. But it does seem like it's going to be one of the teams in, in that area. And it does stand to reason that K-State is probably higher on the list than some would think because of Mills' connections with Jerome Tang. Mills was an assistant at Baylor. And again, we talked about basically from like the first quarter of the season, K-State was going to be successful in the transfer portal because of what they could show with Keontae Johnson. Surpassing what Keontae Johnson did is them being able to sell what Marquise Noel did this year. So they can look a guard in the eye and say, look at what we did with Marquise Noel. Like, we need somebody to take that spot. You've got the freedom to do that here, and we can take your game to another level, even beyond what it already is. And I think that's that's a bigger selling point now than even the Keontae stuff, which is still going to help them a lot in the portal and get a lot of interest. But Marquise Noel doing what he did in March and over the course of the entire season, that's an eyebrow raiser to a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, that is a – it's it's a very good one-two punch of – it's not an outlier event, clearly. Like we've we we've seen and you I know that Marquise Noel was at K State before Jerome Tang, but you almost have to treat everybody in that system in year one as a transfer type of, mm-hmm. of dude because he, Marquise was a asked to do something differently than what he was asked to do under Bruce Weber, play style wise. And then secondly, he just played at a different level than him. So this coaching staff came in, they empowered him, they optimized him, I would say, and then they they got uh, they showed a different part of his skill set, the passing level, the level that his passing went to that it was not at under Bruce Weber. So that one year shift is such a win for them. And then you just answered the questions of like Keontae Johnson. I think most people's hesitation with Keontae all, all offseason and a, a big reason for why there was no buy-in on K-State nationally and there was a pretty solid expectation that they were going to be 
the worst team in the Big 12 was just that people were scared about his health. And once the health thing was cleared up, K-State made him or gave him the opportunity and the chances to be that guy that he was expected to be at Florida. Like the SEC preseason player of the year, he was that guy this year. And he never got a chance to do that in that season because of what happened in his collapse. He becomes that guy at K-State. That's a huge win for them. So and I, I think that you're going to have wins and losses, but the when the wins are so overwhelmingly positive like that, and they're all Americans, it 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 offsets any potential negatives that you had with anybody else. And like that doesn't even mention the fact that you have a Naquan Tomlin who was a transfer and who was positive. Desi Sills was a transfer, positive, mm-hmm. like winning role player guy who they show they've shown now that even if they're selling a guy on a bench roll, you can play a bench role for K State and be a guy who makes an impact and does enough things that like Desi Sills can go have a really solid career in Europe if he wants to. Yeah. Like that is afforded an opportunity to him that I don't know if it was there off of Arkansas state um, at the same level as now it is off of K state. So all of those things are really positive. And and I would just say year one for Jerome Tang, the high school talent they're bringing in is good. The transfer portal talent that they should bring in is better, is going to be better than anticipated because of what happened in March. Absolutely. Where, where would you put, where do you think you would put K-State's chances to get Max Asmus? Because he is highly sought after. In my opinion, he's the best guy and the number one target people should have in the portal. Um, I know that some people might be tricked into thinking that it's Hunter Dickinson. Max Asmus is a much bigger game changer than Hunter Dickinson. Uh, for K-State. In my eyes. For K- I, I think for a lot of teams, like you get Asmus, like he – to me, he's the guy that's going to go out and, and do something for you. Maybe Dickinson dis- can do it, but... I would disagree off of the fact that Dickinson has done it at the power six level. It's true. And we've seen, and I, I, think it's, I think it's Rothstein who does it, but he tends to tweet out like a guys who transfer from the power six down go up in, up in uh, performance if you're just going on like per game averages, it's something around like eight to 11%. And guys who transferred up from the mid majors or the low majors into the high majors typically lose like five to 8% of their production. And I I haven't done the math. I haven't looked at what the year at little rock for Marquise Noel was before he came to K state. And obviously some of that is just role. Sometimes a lot of these guys transfer up and their role diminishes. Joe Yesifu is a great example of this. Yeah. But if Ace Miss comes to any school, he's going to get significant opportunities. And I'm not not comparing them at all because Max Ace Miss is a significantly better player than the person I'm about to bring up. But I will just say, from speaking from experience, a team that I covered two years ago, ASU brought in – Marion Jackson, who was from Toledo. He was the Mac player of the year. He had multiple triple doubles. His averages were all incredible. And he came to ASU. And 
I know he he was injured for a little bit of the season, had a thumb thing, couldn't shoot the ball really well. His numbers like fell off a cliff. Mm -hmm. So it is hit or miss sometimes when you bring the smaller school guys up to a higher level, whether it is circumstantial or whether it's opportunity based, those types of things don't necessarily matter. I would just say from, from a safety perspective, I understand that guards matter more than bigs in winning in March. We saw that with Marquise Noel versus yes. uh, Hunter Dickinson, all of the trace Jackson Davis, drew Timmy, all of these types of guys were like the big guys. It wasn't necessarily the year of the big spare me the Adama Sonogo comments, <laughs> but it is a safer bet that like, if you get Hunter Dickinson for any program, that in is country, true. Yeah. you're getting, you know what you're getting against power six competition. Whereas there is like an inkling of what does Ace miss? What do his numbers look like at the power six level? And that's why yeah. if you really want to like dive deeper into maybe a, a hotter take that I would have is that like LJ Cryer might be a better target than Ace Miss. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, you mentioned Marquise his last full season at little rock uh, before the, the COVID season where little rock didn't play as that many games. Marquise only played 15 games that year. Uh, he averaged 17 points a game, almost five assists um, and then 3.7 turnovers per game um, and shot 39% from three much similar this year for Marquise uh, 17.6 points a game, 8.3 assists, 3.7 turnovers, shot 36% from three. Um, but last year he was five less points. He was three less assists. Like he wasn't getting used as much. He shot worse. Like it took him time to adjust. Part of that though, like he was, he was the go-to guy on this team. There was no Nigel Pack and Jerome Tang for the year of 2023 is a better basketball coach and had a better system in place than Bruce Weber. Like yes, Jerome thing is not a better basketball coach than what Bruce Weber was yet. And I know that some people might go, well, not yet. Like Bruce Weber accomplished a lot as a basketball coach. He is a, he is a, he was a great basketball coach, but Jerome Tang, as it stands right now, he is a, he knows what needs to be done in 2023 to win at a high level and to get people to this point. He did that. You mentioned LJ Cryer um, of Baylor. When he entered the portal, that was the first one that sent off like instant alarm bells. Like not only is this a guy that K-State needs and, and should want, this is a guy that they have a direct tie-in with that it's going to give you a leg up on everybody else. And obviously that direct tie-in is he played at Baylor the last three seasons and even better than playing at Baylor his number one, his lead recruiter at Baylor was Jerome Tang. Jerome Tang's the guy that got LJ Cryer to go to Waco and play for the Bears. And now a guy that's averaged double figures for, for Baylor the last two seasons and was on their national championship team as a reserve guard his freshman year. Uh, he's in the portal. And as long as everything is still good there, and it's, you know, it, when there's no indication that like anything crazy went down. Um, he's going to have the K State's going to have the opportunity to get him, and should be viewed as a front runner to get LJ Cryer. Even though a school like Houston is, is probably going to be a significant player there as well. Yeah, I saw a tweet from a reporter in Houston who said Houston was his first visit, and then it should be K State, and I think KU. Um, mm -hmm. But like, he's going to. Another guy, he's going to have his pick of the litter. Yep. Um, 
but I, I would not be surprised if he's a more valuable guy than Ace Smith next year. But I think both guys end up in the Big 12. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems likely just based off of how everything's stacked up. There's a lot to like about LJ Cryer. Uh, obviously, having the, the Power 5 experience at Baylor and being a guy that this past season scored 15 points a game for him. And the most attractive thing is, like, we had this conversation – many times during the middle of the season for K-State, they want to look like Baylor, and that's what they're trying to do. They just didn't have the kind of guards that Baylor did. They had one of them in Marquise Noel, but they didn't have others. This would be a start of you get a guy like LJ Cryer in that can score, but in addition to that, he shot 42% from three this season, 47% the year before that, and his worst season of shooting was on limited attempts. Uh in the, the national championship year, and he was 36.5% still. So, like, LJ Cryer can shoot it. You need that in a guard. He obviously knows what Jerome Tang wants. Like, there's a lot to, to like there uh, for a guy that scored 30 in uh, Baylor's NCAA tournament loss to Creighton. So, it would be the, the perfect fit for K-State to get one of those Baylor guards in there, and then that really kind of sets up everything else. And I think Ace Miss is, is my number one just because I think the high end of what he can be is is probably the best and that's a statement um but again this is one of those deals that if you can lock up lj crier if you're k-state you do it the second you can and then you worry about everything after that i mean this is a team that's in a position where they need to take two guards in this cycle now basically especially with three scholarships open and i'd say that there's still a chance that one or two more becomes available to them um you get two guards and so you get lj crier as one and then you figure out who the next one is because there are still a lot of good guards out there that K State is already connected to, uh, and there seems to be mutual interest. But I, I'm with, like I think LJ Cryer could be huge for him next year. You don't you don't average 15 on accident in the Big 12, and you don't shoot it that well on accident uh, for how he's done it over three years now. And getting back with Jerome Tang and being in this system that's already shown it can elevate players, not just to Marquise Noel's level, but uh, I was to talk about this with the next guy you already mentioned Tremont Mark of Houston you look at him he's the perfect guy to shoe in and take over as the three uh and, and slide in that spot that Keontae played for most of the year they moved Keontae to the four as the season wore on and they started to play three guards more often in the starting lineup um but he's the perfect fit there and I know you can look at it and go hey he only shot like 33% from three at Houston so he doesn't necessarily spread the floor as well as you would like he averaged over 10 points a game the last two years for Houston. Now, last year, he only played seven games. He was one of the key guys that got hurt for Houston. He started every game for him this year. But not only was Jerome Tang able to elevate a guy Marquise Noel's talent level to what he did this year, Ish Masood played the best basketball of his career this year. He found his role. K-State said, all right, this is what we need out of you. They made him better. They got him into the right spots. And Ish Masood was nine points better shooting from three this year than he was last year. He went from 33% to 42%. And so if you can do that for Ish Masood, I certainly believe that a guy like Tremont Mark, where there's a lot of other stuff that's already there ready to go for him, this staff could get him to where that 32.8 or whatever it is, close to 33%, you could easily turn that into to 35, 36, 37 and then you're looking at this guy as like, that's a that's big time. Like, that's exactly what we need. So I think Tremont Mark is probably the guy 
And K-State's in his final four is what it seems like. It's it's down to K-State, Arkansas, Florida, and Texas A&M. But he's another guy um, that comes at a spot of need where K-State needs that guy at, as a wing that can kind of be a hybrid role. And uh, he's he fits that perfectly. So I think that's probably, after we talk about Cryer and Acemas, that's the next guy up that you look at and say, he could be a real difference maker and help K-State next year. Well, and a lot of, like, high-level shooting percentage changes is just shot selection. I would mm-hmm. say Ish, Ish Masood, I mean, obviously you're going to become a little bit of a better – college kids are just going to become better shooters the longer that they're in school for the most part, assuming that they, like, work on their game, and Ish clearly did that. But you're also just at the mercy of, like, what shots – when you're not a guy who creates shots for yourself, what shots are created for you? And Tremont Mark is actually – I would say a better shot creator for himself, like significantly better yeah. shot creator for himself than like an Ish Masood is. Um, he's probably not of the level that Keontae Johnson is, but I think a, a lot in the K-State offense could free things up for him. Um, I, I think the thing that would intrigue me the most is that I think he would be far and away their best wing defender when you – compare them to the roster that they had last year and if you if things go the way that we're thinking with Tomlin and Colbert and Manning like you're going to have a lot of wingspan there already it might afford you the opportunity to play smaller guards recruit smaller guards in the way that Cryer or Acemas might be and it might allow you to make up a little bit for the fact that Acemas is not a great defender, but Mark is an elite defender. And if you have, if you have a stopper on the perimeter, like that goes so far in the big 12, because you could put him on uh, any other guard in the conference. You could put him on Tyrese Hunter, assuming that Tyrese Hunter comes back to Texas and you can, yeah, I would think that he will. Yeah. And you can you can kind of shut him shut him down a little bit. You can put him on a Dewan Harris and guard him and do types do things like that. And that versatility goes so far. Um so I it intrigues me because he's he's not like a bum offensively. But if Tremont Mark is on K-State, the length of this team, we've already seen what they can do defensively with a team that like you looked size wise against Kentucky and they were outsized at most, most positions. But like, if you give them length and versatility and then there's already good defensive mm-hmm. principles, I like, I like that idea for K-State. And that's yeah. why I like, that's why I like Bates because Bates has length. He has versatility and he's a willing defender. He's not always the greatest shot select selection guy uh, from watching Indiana games this year, but K-State has done a pretty good job of, of, limiting poor shot selection for reserves and that's why i think he fits in that spot well and i i think i think that there uh you you could probably surmise that the k-state coaching staff would have an easier time convincing uh tamar bates to do something than what mike woodson would because i and this is the thing that we'll find with with k-state staff right now and why it's such a benefit to have the guys that they do um, this is not me trying to be ageist because let's be honest, Jerome Tang is not a spring chicken. He is, he's my dad's age. Uh, and I would not, cons- I'm not saying my dad's old, but I'm not saying my dad is young. Um, 
And Jerome Tang, I, I tweeted this when Jerome Tang got hired last year. Jerome Tang is actually older when he took the K-State job than when what Bruce Weber was when he took the K-State job, uh, which might shock some people. Um, but, like, Jerome Tang is, is in that stage, though, and it helps that he has uh, – I think his son just graduated from, from college last year and his daughter was just a freshman at K-State this year. Like, it helps him that he's got kids that age, so he kind of knows how to connect and everything. And then his staff is made up of guys that – they're old enough to have experience, but it's not Penny Hardaway toting Larry Brown on his bench around, and and that's supposed to connect with 22-year-old kids right now. Like This staff gets it. They have guys all around it where they're built to fit in with these guys, and even the ones on it that may not totally fit in and aren't you know in that younger generation, like you know if you would throw like Jerome Tang in that category, he gets it to the extent where – like he can relate enough and he can also play the the stretch of I may not get it, but I get that I have to act like I get it. And to do that, like he seems more likely to be like that than what Mike Woodson comes across as, you know, just so that's just a little aside. And that's a, more of a general thing, too. It's not just a Tamar Bates thing. It's anybody that's out there. K-State, we already know that Noel and Johnson, their stories are the ultimate transfer portal weapons. But. Honestly, like this staff is just as big of a selling point too uh, as what some of the other things are because you're going to have a tough time finding a staff that seems to have more fun and have the guys more fully bought in because even the dudes that clearly didn't have roles that they're accustomed to or that they necessarily enjoyed, they still seem to be a part of everything and enjoy it this year. Ish being one of those guys that I wasn't shocked when Ish Masood entered the transfer portal. But it was one of those you kind of go, oh, man, oh, Ish Masood's in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, because it seemed like everything was going fine for him, but you get it. Like, he wants a bigger role, and he just isn't going to be able to get that at K-State. So um, I, I just thought that that was kind of fascinating uh, to think about with with all that. Moving on to some of the other guys that are out there still. Uh, one interesting name that entered the portal today that stood out to me, and I don't know – how much interest K-State is going to have there, what that's going to look like. But Caleb Boone of Oklahoma State is into the portal. And we know that K-State needs or could use a big of some kind. Um, that That's lower on the list because you do feel like you can play a little bit smaller in college basketball now. Um, Jarrell Colbert is a guy that he's coming off the red shirt. You think you'll be able to use quite a bit next year. You, you hope Naquan Tomlin becomes a better rebounder and, and uses his length better. But if you could get Caleb Boone, that gives you a great defender and a guy that could reliably on some nights get you 10, 15 points inside when it's there to be taken. He would give them something that they don't have or have not had under Tang, and that's a post, a post guy that you feel confident throwing the ball into mm-hmm. about scoring the ball with his back to the basket. Um, and I don't know, here's the thing. I don't know if that's something that Jerome Tang has any desire to get. Yeah. Like you can win a lot of basketball games without it. I know that fundamentally it really helps to have it. Um, it, I think it has been borne out to be proven. It probably hurts to be overly reliant upon it. Uh, if you're, if you play in the state, uh, of Indiana, you might be a little overly reliant upon post-production, but 
I don't think anyone in the Big 12 has been other than KU. Like they've most of their offense historically under self has been back to the basket. It used to be two bigs high low. Self has adjusted and he's gone four guards ever since Josh Jackson 2017. But like all that we've seen of the recent good Baylor teams, which is basically what Jerome Tang has tried to replicate, as you just said, and all that we've seen of K-State from last year is a team that did not have a guy who you were, who was calling for the ball in the post and nobody ever needed it. Like they would, when they wanted to get Bay Bay a touch, they would run pick and roll. And then they would try to see if they could get him at there. If they wanted to get David Gasson a, a touch, they're not throwing it to him in the post. They're running pick and roll or they're uh, getting him to the middle of the zone and allowing him to be a, a short roll option. So like, I don't know necessarily what the selling point is if you're Jerome Tang and you're looking for a big guy. That's why I just like completely no yeah. chance think Hunter Dickinson is not even an option for K-State. There's yeah. there's not really a selling point. I think the NIL money is going to be an insane amount regardless of where he goes. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Caleb Boone makes sense a little bit because I could see him in a spot where it's like optimized dunker roll. Like, yeah, uh, he doesn't, he can post up. It's not what his offensive game is predicated upon. And you're mostly bringing him in to just be like an anchor of your defense. I think he would be a, if you brought in, uh, Mark and Boone or either one of those guys, like they are on the three to four guy shortlist for conference defensive player of the year next year. Yeah along with the guy who won it last year. Like it's, it's those guys. It would, it would, that would be the the group. And then I, I mean, dream, dream, dream scenario is just that Naquan like really figures it out as a rim protector and becomes yeah. Giannis like, cause he's got that, that physical frame um, a little bit. Like, yeah. That is an insane thing. To I think, think I think uh, Naquan ended up ranking like fourth or fifth uh, in the, the NCAA tournament in terms of blocks. Total blocks. I think he had eight in their four games. So like, it's certainly there as a possibility. And I do think like he's a guy that that there's there's a lot of improvement. He's going to go through the NBA draft process as we know now, and I think he's going to find out when he goes through a lot of that. Is obviously teams are going to be fascinated by his size and what that could do offensively and how he uses his body. But like you're talking about with Giannis, like the other appeal there is it's also how he uses his body on the defensive end that is really attractive, like can catch up, can do a lot of things, even when you get into a bad and tough spot. So you're right. That would be huge. And the other thing that Caleb Boone, his availability becomes, we know that K-State has been pretty heavily interested in, in Caden Shedrick, uh, who was a a reserve big for Virginia uh, the, the past couple of years. And his numbers don't necessarily stick out if you look at them. He started half their games this year. He only averaged six points a game, 3.8 rebounds. He did have 15 and 13 in their NCAA tournament game against Furman, though. But they've been interested in him because he's a big with experience, and they know that this team needs somebody that can protect the rim and rebound a little bit more. Um, Caleb Boone, I think most people would be shocked. He only averaged like five boards a game at Oklahoma State. So, you know, maybe this team could get a little bit more out of him, and it also kind of hurt that he had like somebody like Musa Cisse and some other guys that could rebound really well at Oklahoma yeah. state, even their guards where at K state K 
Caleb Boone, have as many rebounds as you want because nobody else is really interested in going to get the basketball. So I, I think that number would go up if he came here. But what uh, I think there is a signal with the interest that they had in Shedrick that with Boone's availability, I think you want Caleb Boone over Caden Shedrick if you can get into that mix. So I do think that there is a want there for um, for a guy like Caleb Boone. And based off of what we talk about here, and we'll go over a couple more names real quick before we close things up, but when you look at all this, we've talked about now, obviously they, they want a guy to replace Keontae on the wing and kind of be a 2-3-4 you know, hybrid, depending on the size, like you can bump him up one or bump him down one. Most likely two guards would really help to add in the equation. And then a guy that's bigger inside, that's reliable, can fill that dunker spot, can maybe rebound a little bit, can help protect the rim with Naquan. That's four right there. And as we know, K-State only has three available scholarships at this point in time. And that's why I say I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another one open up somewhere. Not just be, yeah. because they may you know, put the writing on the wall like they did for Ishma Sood, like, hey, your role is your role. Things are not going to change for you. In fact, they could get bleaker. And yeah, and, and so Ish was like, okay, you know what? Like my last year of college basketball, I want to go out and try and do something. And I think that that's the same type of thing that could happen with somebody else that's sitting around and they go, you know what? I'm out of here and, and I may try my luck elsewhere. And that opens up a fourth possible spot for K-State. Uh, and if that's the case, then you're, you're in a great spot because – I don't expect a ton out of the three freshmen next year just because to be a freshman that comes in and makes an immediate impact in college basketball, you have to either be on a really bad team or you have to be like one of the high-end guys. And K-State got some great ones. Like they're all three are going to end up being four stars. Like that's a great year one recruiting class for Jerome Tang. But you should not expect any of those three to come in and Im immediately make like a huge impact. They'll be bench guys. They'll get into that rotation, I think. Taj Manning's going to come off the red shirt, and they seem to really, really like Taj Manning. Yeah. So he's going to be able to play that three spot pretty well for K-State next year. But if they could find a guy that could be a no-doubt-about-it starter, uh, as opposed to having to force Taj Manning, who hasn't played a game of college basketball yet, into that role, I think that that's important to them as well. So that's why I think that we could get to the that number of four. Uh, other names in the portal right now that are notable guys that, that I like, and we know that one of these guys K-State has uh, made contact with, and he's you know got some mutual interest. That would be Hofstra transfer Aaron Estrada. He's kind of been all over the place in his four years. Started at St. Peter's, then went to Oregon for a year, and then played the last two years at Hofstra. Uh, while at Hofstra, he's averaged 20 points a game, he shot 37% from three this year. Um, and he's also brought in five and a half rebounds a game, 4.3 assists. He's done it all as a 6'3 guard. This is another guy that stands out if, you know, you can't get Acemas or, you know, someone goes down, you can't get Cryer. This is another guy that is high on a lot of people's lists that K-State's going to try and make a play for. And if K-State were to get him, people should be thrilled about this. this yeah, addition. he's got real size. And mm -hmm. uh, I know he didn't. His year at Oregon was not super successful, but and it was the COVID I, season, so like that's you know grain of salt there. But yeah, and yeah, and they 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 were okay. But like that, I would say this is like yes, that it was a COVID season. 
COVID seasons in the Pac-12 were even worse. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So don't hold that against him. Don't be like, oh, he failed at a Pac-12 school. He failed at a Power 6 school. Like, he clearly went to Hofstra and upped his game to, like, a new level. So I think he would be a really solid mm-hmm. target. Um, and, and, like, to go to your point of it's probably it's probably going to be two guards at least, if assuming that they only have three scholarships assuming that a fourth doesn't open up like that's being maybe conservative with the estimate if they only have three and you need a wing and then you need two more spots i would lean toward them adding guards over bigs because you know what you have you know what you think you have proven wise from naquan you know what you think you have in your i guess pocket of like no one has seen what taj manning can be but Mm -hmm. other than just a, a a brief hinting during a couple post game media sessions to us that Taj like gives people nightmares and practices all, yeah. all season long, and and that has some optimism. But you just Jerome Tang has been in this league for twenty years. He knows you don't win with freshman guards in the in the Big Twelve. You don't win with freshman guards being the only guards on your yeah. team. So. Even Baylor this year, Keontae George, like they didn't lose because they're, I mean, you can make the case that they lost because their guards didn't defend super well. I would make the case that they didn't, Baylor didn't win big this year because their wings weren't nearly as good as people thought they were going to be. But like Keontae George was at his best because he was, he was supplemented by Adam Flagler and he was supplemented by LJ Cryer. So if, if you get to a spot where like Day Day comes in and you end up, where he's the third option as a guard, like that is the ideal spot because yep. then you've got three, three, four stars coming in. And in today's college basketball era, like it's rare for all three to be hits. But if you get to the spot where you only need one of the three to be a, a somewhat moderate freshman year hit over two of the three yep. being contributors, you're in a significantly better spot. So I, I do think that, they should be pursuing Cryer. They should be pursuing Acemas. They should be pursuing Estrada. They should be pursuing any transfer guard who they can get reasonable expectation of like plug and play starter. Um, that should be the priority, like the priority. And I think it would be probably the priority over even like Tremont Mark. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think guard should be the priority, especially since, I mean, look at what they did this year. They were they were four points within going to the Final Four without like a real big. You know, like they it can be done. They also stopped teams that had legit bigs like Oscar Sheway. I know Sissoko's not on his level, but like Michigan State had a big that they could have exposed him with, and K State was able to win there. Like K State can handle it. So yeah, guards yeah. and then that wing that's important. But you know. If you can get a Caleb Boone to hop on before anybody else, because it's easier to lock up, and like that's not me saying it's it's likely, but it's just a, a, a thought out there, then you take it because you're not going to be upset with what you get out of that. But you are just more locked in probably on what happens with the guards. One other guard out there just immediately that stands out to me um, that I've I've had interest in for a while because um, you know being in in Wichita and doing what I did the last couple of years before I. I moved over to the site was, you know, covering all the teams in the state on my radio show and, and being around Wichita state and seeing Tyler Perry 
um, who he played North Texas and Wichita State played last season. And his numbers are very fascinating to look at. And he is a talented player, was the best player on North Texas's teams uh, under Grant McCasland. And in his two seasons at North Texas, he's averaged around 15 points a game. He was over 17 this year. He shot it at 41% from three in both seasons. He is a guy that uh, I think would also be a very fascinating get for K-State. So we'll see. He's got one year of eligibility left. Um, we'll have to, to see where he ends up going. I thought immediately that Texas Tech was like a lock for him. Um, but based off what I've, what I've talked to some people with, and especially guys at our Texas Tech site, they don't have the indication that Texas Tech is where Perry is going to end up. And the first thought that was coming out of Denton and, and guys that they talked to, um, the Lubbock guys talked to people in Denton around North Texas, they, they thought K-State stood out. Obviously, there would be a little bit of a connection there. Dream Dowling was an assistant at North Texas before he came to K-State. So K-State already has a little bit of an in there. Um, I, I would like Tyler Perry as well. Uh, if, again, like we've talked about, there are all these names on this list, and we're yet to really talk about one that makes me sad, except for Tamar Bates, as you've pointed out. But even Tamar Bates, I'm, I'm totally okay with. Yeah, I mean, Perry would be a, a really solid option. Um, anytime that you get a guy who's been a, a number one option, like that's that's a good option. So, But there are – it is a very conveniently good thing that a lot of these dudes in the portal have connections, like really good options. Yeah. Have great connections to Jerome Tang, Dream Dowling, and like the Scott Drew coaching tree, which Tang can tap into a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if they can just hit on one of those, oh, we already had a relationship, like it's already locked up. That one, like one of those things where it can be a, a, a little bit more of a stress-free commitment then maybe you can go harder on like a, a, a tougher sell with someone who you you might not have nearly as much connection to yeah nope for sure um other uh, other guys out there i mean the list gets thin those are the the big ones to know early early on like severe wheeler seemed like one that maybe would have been a possibility um there's the connection that york maligi has to to wheeler k-state is recruiting his younger brother Montana right now, who's a class of 2025 guy. There hasn't been much noise to that and really not much update in general to Wheeler. And there are just guys that fit the bill of what K-State needs a lot better than severe Wheeler right now. Um, I, but he's, he's worth a mention the, the Kentucky transfer that's in the portal um, that has a year left. He played at Georgia and Kentucky. Um, and then there's some other ones out there uh, where from Oregon was uh, a guy that had a lot of offers early on and K-State was one of them that, that was trying to get in the mix. I just don't know how realistic it is that he's going to end up at K-State. And like what we've talked about, K-State isn't going to devote a heavy portion of their resources right now to him because the number one thing they need, and really the number two thing they need, is a guard and then a wing. And so the big thing, that can kind of take a back burner. And that's the thing you have to be smart about. Not to, again, throw this back to the Bruce Weber thing, but when Bruce Weber was going on his stretch about how, well, we, we were in there, we talked to so-and-so, didn't get him. It's like, okay, 
it's great that you can get in the door and talk to these guys. You're in the living room, you know, talking to EJ Liddell, but you're never getting him to come to Manhattan. Like he's going somewhere else. And that's the thing where you have to know the difference between, okay, you can at least get in the door, but can we actually get him? I don't have any doubt that this staff can do that with more guys than what the last staff had. But when it comes to the portal, there are guys with mindsets that are just going to be different and you have to make you know better decisions there. And I think this staff looks at it and says, it's not like the biggest position of need. It's not the second biggest position of need. There are a lot of other suitors out there. He's probably looking for more of like a big brand name school right now. Um, it, it's just not worth the time. So like that's why I'm not going to spend too much time on on him and what happens there. And also like it didn't work out at Oregon this year. I know that there was still NBA draft chatter on him, but I'm skeptical of of a big name guy like that that didn't really do well on a not so good team this year um, to what he could do at his second stop, especially when you're playing to build back up your NBA draft stock. Um, you want to you if you're in the position that K State's in, you want guys that are playing to just get better as a basketball player, and maybe that helps them out professionally, like what Keontae Johnson got. You don't want a guy that is coming in and his sole reason to play is I want to get better positioning in the NBA, which is what is one of the things in addition to some others that got a guy like Marcus Foster into trouble his sophomore year at K-State. Like he, he talked to people and they told him, this is what you need to do X, X and X to become a, a better NBA prospect. It changed his game. It's honestly, I don't think this will be a problem with Naquan and I don't know if it's going to be as much of a problem with this staff. But it's one of those concerning things with Naquan going through the process is we may see like the first 10 games next season. It might be a lot of Naquan trying to let Naquan cook. Like he needs to try and get his and show, hey, I look, I'm better at this than that. Um, it, I, you just got to be weary of some of that. And so I, I don't think well, for a lot of reasons it's a great, great. You just have up. to, you just have to worry about like, you're you're so much better off with a guy in your school already like already in your program who is being told go get better at this because they don't have to go and figure out oh where can i go find a place that will yeah let like let me do this thing whereas like when assuming tomlin is back and doesn't get some crazy draft info like when he's back if if the draft tells you, hey, you need to get better at X, Y, and Z, and you actually do go and get better at X, Y, and Z, then you go showcase it. But the problem is when when the draft tells people to get better at certain things and then they just don't get better at them but think that they need to pretend to show that they've gotten better at <laughs> <Yes>. them, <laughs> that's when you have a guy who hurts his team. So I don't necessarily think that that will be a Tomlin thing. I think a lot of his – a lot of his stuff is just going like, I don't know what NBA teams are, are truly going to tell him because I think a lot of it is just going to be going to be continuing to have a better feel for the game and have a, have an understanding of like, how do I impact the game without making shots? And he did so much better with that later in the season um, where I thought he was the guy on K state who probably best impacted the game without making shots during the tournament. Um, in comparison to anybody else on the roster. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Naquan, Naquan played his best games of the season probably in the NCAA tournament. And so, like, that, that's a big boost. And I think he's he's on track to get things figured out. So, yeah. that's that's all good news. And, and I, you know, I think K-State uh, has to, to like the, the position that they're in. And like we've talked about with a lot of these guys, uh, it's going to get better. So, those are, uh, those are the names to know. Be sure to stay locked into EMA Online. Uh, we'll have plenty more coverage of, of stuff with the portal as it wears on because um, it's, it's important right now. And it's the most entertaining thing going on in college athletics and certainly at K-State. And it's become even more exciting because they can actually make some of these moves and land some of these big-name guys. Like they, they are just as in it with a lot of these dudes as some of these others. And it's like you said, some of it is just dumb luck, but also some of it, some of it is just building a staff now that – guys in the portal K-State has direct connections with right now, uh, where obviously Jerome Tang has a lot because he was at Baylor for so long. And now like the, the Baylor tree is starting to grow a little bit wider, but also you look at a guy like Dream Dowling that has the connection to Tyler Perry or York Maligi, who's a great recruiter that has connections from previous stops. He was at that. He's already been in that living room recruiting certain guys like severe Wheeler um, like Trevon, Mar- Trevon Mark, like, you know, whoever you want to throw out there. So there are a lot of dudes that are, that are out there and, uh, uh, K-State has the connections and has some of the ends with, and even some other ones out there that because they already have so many transfers in that, like that guys have transferred that have played with them before. Um, Brandon Murray's a guy that's in the portal from Georgetown. He was at LSU the season before that. So like Jarrell Colbert, has a connection to him. K-State talked to him a little bit before uh, last season. He ended up going to Georgetown, though. Um, there's a, a kid in the portal, another guard, that played at Northern Arizona. But before that, he was at Virginia Tech, so he played with David Gasson there. Like, K-State's got a lot of connections to guys that make a lot of sense. Uh, and Bebe. Bebe played with Estrada at Hofstra last year. So the Cats just need Bebe to get on the phone. And, uh, and and get Aaron Estrada to go, yeah, Manhattan. That's a great place. It was great to Bebe. It can be great to me. Yeah. That but, works out. <laughs> well, we'll see. It, it's going to be fun to follow along with. And uh, we've, we've gone about an hour on the portal. I honestly thought it would only be like 30 minutes. But it's a fascinating uh, piece of content to talk about, dive into, especially when there's a lot of uh, good things going on. So uh, as everybody tries to squeeze this in between – watching the Masters and avoiding watching the Royals. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the EMA Online podcast. We'll have more next week on uh, various topics. Early on here in the offseason, we'll probably limit uh, how much uh, of this you get because only so many times can I repeat that there's really nothing crazy going on. Uh, but spring football is about a week and a half away from concluding. So April 18th is the last day where we'll hear from Chris Kleiman and everything. And then basketball, we'll just keep finding things to go with from there and seeing how things uh, keep developing. But that'll do it for Gabe and I. We are done. Be sure to subscribe to the Email Online YouTube channel and get signed up over at Email Online on Rivals. Less than 10 bucks a month to get you a bunch of great K-State content. Tons of football recruiting stuff right now as uh, recruiting season's still going pretty hard for football. A lot of visits to come still over the next two weeks here in April. So that'll do it for us. We're out of here. Talk to you next week.